the boldness of someone who had went to their neighbor's house and was banging on their door at midnight and wouldn't relent until they came and gave him what he wanted. We looked at that persistency. We looked last week at the will of God and that, he, that he has, his heart. We want our hearts to be his heart. Um, and today, we're going to look at the persistency of a widow who went to a judge. So we're going to look at that principle of prayer specifically uh, today. Before I get going, I want to pray uh, that the Lord would speak into our hearts. If you would pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can gather here today in, in your son's and Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of who you are, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. You would remind us of the gospel of your son, Jesus, all that we've been forgiven, that we can stand in front of you in right standing because of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart for prayer, a heart to just spend time with you as our Heavenly Father who loves us. Lord, we can't do it on our own, so we're depending upon you as we surrender, as we sing uh, to you and your will. And all God's people said, amen. <clears throat> Not sure if you knew this about me. I always read like the uh, points on preaching is never be the hero of your own story when you preach. So. I don't like to talk about myself too much, but um, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I grew up on a farm in southern Missouri on a gravel road, and across the gravel road from me was my grandparents, and my grandparents actually had 17 kids, and uh, two had passed away early, so they raised 15 kids. My mom had five uh, siblings, so I had a lot of brothers and a lot of sisters, and I remember that I would eat at my house. In my parents' house, and I'd go across the street, and I would eat at my grandmother's house as a growing teenager. So any hungry teenagers out here, you eat a lot, see some out there. So I got to eat twice, and so I was never hungry when I grew up. But I, as I pictured my grandmother's kitchen, uh, there was always two things on the floor. You know what those might be? Any ideas? Two things on the floor. A dog, yeah. Well... Back then, they actually didn't let dogs in the house. My dad was always appalled at having dogs in the house. Culture has changed a lot, right? One thing that was on the floor was a bucket of lard. Anyone had lard before with their food? Well, she would just, she would make us pancakes every morning. She would take a huge gallop of lard and put it in the pan, cast iron skillet, and make us like these really nice, like bready pancakes, these huge ones. We'd put peanut butter on it, put some syrup on it. It was delicious. Anyone eat peanut butter? Okay. Well, if you can have peanut butter on your pancakes, I can be your friend. That's the kind of filter. All right, good. Rusty and I are friends. Well, the other thing on the floor was another bucket, and that was the slop bucket. Somebody was probably eating a donut when I said that. Like, oh. That's where you put everything that's left over and you give it to the pigs or, or whatever. It may sit there a little too long, it's a little disgusting. That was the slop bucket and then the lard bucket. So you kind of had the best and you kind of had the worst. Now when it comes to the world, when it comes to prayer, I told you some statistics like about a lot, a lot of people go to church. Like those statistics are going down where people prioritize church in their lives, but the numbers where people say they pray every week have pretty much stayed consistent for a long time, so I feel like people 
at least value prayer in their lives and talking to God. But I think sometimes we kind of give God our scraps when it comes to prayer. If we look at the way that Jesus teaches us and the importance of prayer. And so that's my prayer for all of us is that we learn how to pray the way that Christ teaches us. I told you that I took some of it from this Christian uh, disciplines for the Christian life, these principles for the Christian life, and I was taking some of there, and I was reading through there, and it says there are all these different ways on why we don't pray. One of it is just saying we just don't add it to our lives. It's not a routine. It's not consistent. It's not a, a discipline that we have, and I fall in that category a lot of the times as well. Or we think that God won't answer our prayers. Or maybe he doesn't hear us. Or maybe we feel like God is distant sometimes in our lives. Or maybe we've forgotten the power and the the goodness of the gospel of Jesus, which should drive us to our knees to pray anyway, right? So some of those things is what this book says that keeps us from praying. But one of the things that I really noticed in there that really stood out to me was that it says we don't pray because we haven't been taught to pray. I thought, well... Gosh, as the pastor of True Life Community Church, I don't ever want to be in a situation where you feel like you've never been taught how to pray according to the Bible. And so that's what we're going to look at today. You've heard me say in the past, as we're going through this series, there's really no wrong way to pray. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, as we as Christians, as believers, that put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we pray to the Father, as, as Christ teaches us to, Um, If we're doing it that way, then there really is no wrong way to pray. And I'm not going to say, I don't want you leaving here today thinking there's some magic formula or anything like that to get God to answer your prayers. It's not what I'm saying. But there are some principles that we can learn from what Jesus teaches us how to pray. Because we see in Luke 11, chapter, or Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where Jesus' followers ask Jesus, hey, would you teach us how to pray just as John the Baptist's disciples were taught how to pray. And so there are some things that we can learn. Like if the disciples that were following Jesus asked Jesus how to pray, and Jesus taught them how to pray, then clearly there are some things that we can learn about how to pray. Now, if you want to learn how to pray really, really quick, just help your teenagers through a learning permit how to drive. Now, that will drive you to quickly pray and pray all the time. Anyone got an amen on that one? So we're, Natty has his permit. He's doing great. Good job, Natty. Kelsey did pretty good. Now our older two, that was a different story. Now we had four-wheelers and stuff on our property. I just assumed they knew how to drive a car. You would just assume, I grew up on a farm. I knew how to drive since I was like 10. So you just assume you know how to drive. I get my oldest daughter in the car, and she's like, hey, where's that thing? I'm like, what are you talking about? That, like, I don't know, what are you talking about? She's like, you know, that thing that makes it go, where is it? I'm like, all right. <laughs> Clearly, there's some remedial training that needs to take place here. And then my son, we're like going down the road at like 50, and he has to turn into our neighborhood, and there's like this huge like brick sign for our neighborhood. He doesn't even touch the brake. 50 miles an hour, just 90-degree turn. We're like on two wheels, like, you know. I'm praying, like, and he gets mad at me. He's like, what's wrong? Like, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, you're supposed to slow down. We were on two wheels. Like, Duke's a hazard here. But uh, 
But anyway, that will cause you to pray really fast. It's good teaching. But as I was thinking about that, there really are ways that we should not pray, if you really want to think about it. And I just made a list here, um, five wrong ways to pray. Not to the Father, right? Pray to false idols, false gods. Jesus teaches us, our Father who art in heaven, teaches us to pray to our Father, our Father who is in heaven. Second way is to pray without repenting, to pray without repenting to Jesus Christ. Like, not to pray. We have to pray in Christ's name because Christ is the one who sacrificed. He's the one that we can go to, to God in the first place because of our repentance and our forgiveness of sins. So we should pray through repentance and in Christ's name. We should pray thankfully. We should have thankful hearts for all that God has given us and gives us, right? Have a thankful heart in front of the Lord. As we're going to learn here to pray in faith to be persistent, and to have faith in our prayers. And then the last we're going to learn about this next week with the Pharisee and the tax collector. One of the shortest stories that Jesus tells, but one of the more impactful for me is the Pharisee and the tax collector. So to pray humbly in front of God. So back to the not in faith, persistent prayer. Luke 18, verse 1 through 8. And he told them, this is Jesus, in telling his disciples, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. Now we know, as we probably all had English class, like the beginning and the end are important. We talked about last week, a chiasm, and how that's important, is how, how things were structured in the Bible and how they thought reading through things. But if you kind of fold the, the front, the beginning, and the end, we, talk, we hear about persistency, but we also hear specifically about faith that Jesus talks about. Sometimes parables that Jesus say, we need to meditate over those and pray over those or maybe look at some commentary or ask someone else about those. But here specifically in this one, Jesus and the Bible is clear about what this parable means. In verse 1 it says, and he told them this parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. To not lose heart. And he tells the story about how this lady was persistent in her prayers. As an example of her faith, how she kept going. And how we as Christians should keep going to the Lord. And being persistent and being faithful to believe that God is going to answer 
our prayers. So ask the question then, why do we keep praying to God? When it feels like he's just not answering our prayers. Anyone ever been there before? You don't have to raise your hand. You just keep praying and praying and God, it doesn't seem like you're ever going to answer my prayers. I don't always know the answer to all the questions. But I do want to remind you of why we continue to go to the Lord. Because of his character. Because of who God is. He is loving. He is kind. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He wants to work all things for good for those that love him and serve him. Because we know that about our Heavenly Father, we keep going. We keep asking Because he is our heavenly father who loves us and he wants the best for us. Persistently praying shows God that you're serious about your requests. Like if, if Natty comes to me and says, hey, I want this Xbox subscription, I kind of ignore it. I'm just like, eh, I don't have to deal with that right now. But if he keeps coming back, like, hey, this is important to me. Like, this is my friends are doing it and all these criteria. Like, eventually I'm going to be like, okay, this probably, this really is important to him. And it really is important to his relationships and all this. And so persistency really lets God know that we're serious about our requests. And as we wait on the Lord, it grows our faith. Like, I've waited on the Lord for so many things, I didn't think he'd ever come through, and then he comes through, and man, it just blows my faith out of the water. It grows our faith. It also lets us be more thankful. Like, the longer you wait for something, right? So when Natty is asking about this subscription, this Xbox thing, whatever, like eventually I do give it to him. He's more thankful. Just more thankful. It's not like Oprah. Like you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Like you got to wait for it. Like God wants to give that to you, but it's a process, right? If we just all get a car, we're not going to be thankful for it. It's part of it. Is anyone like me when you sit down to pray? got a little ADD going on, right? Too broke to pay attention. Like I'm just sitting there and my, my mind starts wondering. Chuck Norris, could he beat Bruce Lee in a fight? Did I pay that bill? What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? I mean, my mind's just all over the place. And it's hard for me to like focus One of the things that we've been learning, specifically around prayer, and to help us to focus, bring it in, bring it in, focus. I use the acronym, maybe Pujols could again, like we, I want him to come back next year, maybe Pujols could again, but the M is for meditate. We've, we've been learning, I'm gonna look at the, we're going to look at this again, meditate, it's really important. And then P is praise God, as we meditate on God's word, that's the key. As we read God's word and we meditate on it, we praise God based on what we learn. Like right now, we, we, we can meditate on these verses and say, God, thank you that you want us to continue to come back and have that relationship, right? Some of the praises that we could do. And then we confess, like, God, I'm sorry. I just ask you this one thing and move on. Sorry that I don't make this a priority in my life. Confess. And then the last one is we ask God, right? Maybe Pujols could again. 
But this meditate thing specifically, it really helps us to be persistent. It helps us to focus on God and his word. I read here it says that meditating on God's word, it's better to read a little and meditate than read a bunch and not meditate. I remember one time I was really excited about how fast I could read as a kid. I'm like, hey, mom, look at how fast I can read these 10 pages. And I read them real quick. And my mom said, okay, well, what did you read? Oh, that wasn't the whole point. Reading plans, read through the Bible, like all those are great. But we also need this discipline of, of meditating on God's word. Anyone ever heard of George Mueller? Not Bueller. Bueller. George Mueller. So he lived in England in the 18s and 45, somewhere 1840, something like that. So George Mueller started an orphanage. And he was able to just prayer, he never asked anyone for money, he never asked anyone for anything, but he took care of tens of thousands of, of orphans. And he credited it to specifically just prayer. All he did was ever prayer. And in today's money, hundreds of millions of dollars flowed through this orphanage that George Mueller did in England. One of the things I was reading in this book, specifically about George Mueller, and, and the author and George Mueller would say, I credit it to just the sovereignty of God. But there are some principles that are transferable to us, and I'm going to read those to you. If you would just stick with me just for a minute, I think this is important. I got a lot out of it. So it says this. In the spring of 1841, George Mueller made a discovery regarding the relationship between meditation and prayer that transformed his spiritual life. He described his new insight this way. It says, before the time my practice had been, at least for 10 years previously, as a habitual thing to give myself to prayer, having dressed in the morning, now I saw that the most important thing was to give myself to the reading of God's word and to meditating on it. That, thus, my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that, thus, by means of the word of God, while, while meditating on it, my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. So that first moment that we are preparing for prayer, is be into the word of God and pray back what God is teaching us and telling us and preparing our heart. I'm going to read this last part. Hang in there with me. This is important. I think you'll get a lot from it. It says, the difference then between my former practice and my present one is this. Formerly, when I rose, I began to pray as soon as possible and generally spent all of my time till breakfast in prayer, or almost all the time. At all events, I almost invariably began with prayer. But what was the result? I often spent a quarter of an hour, or half an hour, or even an hour on my knees before being conscious to myself of having derived comfort, encouragement, humbling, or soul, etc., and often having suffered much from wandering of mine for the first ten minutes, or quarter of an hour, half an hour. I only then really began to pray. Anyone relate? I can relate to that. He said, I scarcely ever suffer now in this way, for my heart being nourished by the truth, being brought into experiential fellowship with God, I speak to my father and to my friend about the things that he has brought before me in his precious word, reading the Bible. It often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point, and yet now, since God has taught me this point, 
It is plain to me as anything that the first thing the child of God has to do morning by morning is obtain food for his inner soul. And this is the last part I'm going to read. Now, what is food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. And here again, not the simple reading of the word of God, so that it only passes through our minds just as water passes through a pipe, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. So prayer is taking God's word. The word became flesh, and we're pushing it into our flesh, into our heart. We're praying it, the word of God, to ourselves and to back to the Father. Martin Luther said this, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of the cobbler to mend shoes, so is it the business of Christians to pray. I heard this quote. It says, Prayer is not a duty, but a privilege. But a privilege. Last George Mueller quote, he said, If we desire anything for God's glory, we should pray until we get it. We should pray until we get it. See, I was born into a family, didn't have much choice. God didn't ask me what family I was brought into. And I was born into this family and go to my grandmother's house, and she was very persistent in me eating. Like, you were not leaving this house until you ate something. And she always had food out on the table and was very persistent. I didn't get to pick my grandmother. I didn't get to pick the things that I did and didn't do sometimes. It's the same thing as Christians. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we die to ourselves. Right? Nicodemus asked Jesus, like, what do I do? What do I need to do, right? To, be, to go to heaven. What do I need to do to be born again or to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to be born again spiritually. When we become Christians, we, we die to ourselves we were reborn into a new family, to a new Father in heaven who loves us. It's no longer our will, but it's God's will be done. We are born into a new family. Yes, God loves us unconditionally. And if you read the Bible, I'll say, look for the but, look for the good news, right? For the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. But the good news is that we are redeemed through God. We have eternal life. The free gift of eternal life is through Jesus. That's the good news. The but is in there. And God loves us unconditionally as Christians. And the and, instead of the but, the big A and D, the big and is that and God wants us to be more like his son Jesus. It brings him more glory. Remember the high priestly prayer we went through? Is that Jesus prays that, that I would bring you glory and you would glorify me and the people you bring to me would glorify me and glorify you. It's all about the glorifying of God. And as we, as Christians, yes, God loves us unconditionally. Yes, we have eternal life. But the big and is that God wants us to grow, to be more like his son Jesus. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And one of those things to do that is through our prayers and our confessions of sin. To come to our Heavenly Father who wants to help us. Who wants to help us to grow. Just as my children say, I'm having struggles with this. 
Would you help me? So I ask in our prayer time, when's the last time that we've prayed for God to forgive us? To forgive us of our sins and to ask him, Lord, we can't do anything apart from you to help me to be more like your son, Jesus. So I'd like to do today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might come across a little bit weird, um, but just observe. I'd like to do is just take a couple of minutes and let's just pray and let's just ask God to forgive us of our sins. I know we, uh, we take communion once a month and we take a time to just pause and reflect and ask God to examine our hearts. Um, and if there's anything, God, he is just, he is righteous to forgive us of our sins. As believers, our sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. But he wants us to confess, he wants us to examine ourselves, and he wants us to ask him to help us. So let's just go to the Lord. God, we, we take a moment to praise you for who you are. We take a moment to be reminded that you love us unconditionally, proven through you sending your son Jesus to die for us. That God, that you desire for us to share in the love that you have within yourself through the Trinity. And you desire, Lord, for us to grow to be more like your son, Jesus. To bring you more glory. So, Lord, I ask today, as we examine our hearts, that you would forgive us of our sins. And, to, and we ask that you would help us. We can't do it on our own. That spiritual fruit is only through staying connected to the branch. We are the vines. We can do nothing apart from you. So Lord, help us to remind us that we are forgiven as we bring things to you like our pride. We want to do everything on our own. We want to listen to you. We are prideful. Sometimes we are angry, lustful. We worry all the time. Your son Jesus taught us not to, not to worry. We're unfaithful. Jealous of what our neighbors have. Not sharing the hope that we have in Christ. Not being thankful for what you have given us. We've been prayer, prayless. We've been busy. Lord, your heart is for us to depend upon you, to seek you, to follow you. So, Lord, help us to lay these things at your feet. Lord, we need your mercy and we need your grace. Thank you for taking these things. Thank you it's based upon your son, Jesus, and not on our performance. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ. I pray, Lord, we leave here today knowing that you've forgiven us and there's no condemnation that we can live freely and joyfully and all god's people said amen um one word of one word of caution i believe that christ takes it seriously as a church to be 
to be praying, to be praying for one another, to be praying for our neighbors, to be praying for our community, to be fully dependent upon God, to, to work within our lives, our church, and our community. I remember I would graduated high school. I was without a job, which was kind of rare because my dad was very serious about me working. And it was like two days without a job after graduation. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with my buddies. We're going fishing. We had all these plans. And my dad would wake me up by slapping my foot, which just drove me crazy. Like I, it would make me like fighting mad to get my, slap my foot. But it's how he woke me up. And so he like slaps my foot. And I'm like, why is this old man waking me up? Like it's, I'm graduated. I'm, he said, son, he said, you better go get a job or this world's going to leave you behind. I don't know what it was about those words, but it really motivated me um, to go get a job. Probably didn't want to get slapped in the foot again. But anyway, this is my dad's word. And it really struck home to me when my dad said that. And it made me wonder, I was thinking of that story, and it made me wonder about Christ. And again, this is not about obligation. This is about the love that God has for us in our church and our community. But that if we're not praying consistently that for each other and for our church and our community, that, that Christ could leave our church behind. I mean, look at Revelation chapter 2, the Ephesian church. It said, Jesus says, yeah, you're working hard, you're doing all these things, but you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten Christ. You've forgotten the love that he that he has for you. You're more focused on the works. And if you're not careful, I'm going to take this lampstand from you. I'm going to put the light out of your church. So you, we've got to remember our first love, and that is Christ. It's all about Christ and the gospel. And as we remember that, we, we begin to pray the grace of God and the mercy that he has given us. So church, I want to encourage us to pray to be in prayer. Again, verse 18, verse 1. Chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Anyone here today feel like you're losing heart? You're ready to give up? You don't have to raise your hand. A lot of us may be in that situation. God will come through. He hears your prayers. He is all-powerful. He is working best for you. You may not always see it. So if that's you today, you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to give up. God says, keep praying. Keep coming to me. If that's you today, I want to just pause for just a moment, and I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, if there's someone here today that is losing heart and ready to give up, Lord, I pray that they would continue to come back to you. They would be like the persistent widow. They would say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going back to God because he is good. He has the power to change this, and there is nowhere else to go. Just like Peter told Jesus, he said, where else would I go? But you have the words of eternal life. So Lord, I lift them up to you today.
Lord, I pray that we do not trust in our own ability to turn your ear, but we trust in the righteousness of Christ. Because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. It's, a, it's as if we woke up one day and we looked at our bank account and we owed $5 trillion in the red. There's no way we're paying that back. And that's where we stand with God. We are unrighteous. We are not right with God. We owe a debt that we can never pay back. But because, God, you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross, that Christ, he imputes and he puts his righteousness in our bank account, and we owe nothing. Our debt has been paid in full. That Christ looks at us as he looks at his son Jesus because of our faith. Lord, we believe, but help us with our unbelief. Help us to put our faith and trust in Jesus to be right and to be reminded when Christ was on the cross and he cried out to tell us die. It means it is finished. There is nothing left to do but putting our faith and trust in Jesus that Christ paid it all. That we have freedom. And we can call you Abba, Father. And we can come to you because of Christ. And that is the gospel, that is the good news, and that should propel us all to pray. All God's people said.